Now, we often hear this passage at Easter, but it involves St. John, and it's important because here we see Mary Magdalene. She goes after uh, seeing this amazing discovery and does what? She went to Peter, despite the fact that he had just denied Christ. What does she do? She goes to Peter, showing he is still the leader, despite his mistakes. Uh, I guess that's good news because that allows the leader to be given mercy by God. And so we hear a lot of Peter's weaknesses, um, but there must have been something really, really amazing about St. Peter. Think about this. Um, he was strong enough to face his brothers even after he became a coward. He, he was able to face them. And that takes courage. He didn't try to make excuses. He didn't try to run away. I mean, he did and then came back. And uh, so St. Peter now comes with John to the tomb. And what happens? John defers to Peter. This is a very important. Our non-Catholic brethren just glaze right over this whole passage. They always talk about the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. Well, okay, let's look at the Bible. John defers Peter goes in first. This is very significant um, because like Mary, um, you know, John was rewarded. He was. He was the first to really fully believe in the resurrection, not just the first to witness it. And so this is important. And so um, love is what John is known for. And love gave John the eyes to see and the mind to understand. This is the key thing. So if if you're always praying or asking God, help me understand something, pray to St. John. He's the, the key for that. Um, you know, it's funny, I laugh because John was, was humble enough not to mention his own name, uh, but he was competitive enough to mention that he outran Peter to the tomb. So um, still competitive. But anyway, what happened? All right, they went in um, and they, the, the clothes, the grave clothes of Jesus were not disarranged. They were not scattered and just torn. They were lying there neatly, actually folded. Now, the grave clothes did not look as if they had been taken off. They, they didn't look like they had been ripped off, like if Jesus never died and was still alive and then had to get out of the tomb. He would have struggled and gotten the, um, the clothes kind of torn off. Um, and so, really, this, this is interesting because the, at the time of these types of burials, there would have been about 70 pounds of spices, probably about 75 pounds of spices inside the shroud. And Jesus would have had to struggle to get that off, um, you know, if he was really not resurrected, but just, you know, asleep or unconscious, and then he went, woke up. Not the case. Um, if he did, he would have really torn those clothes to get them off. And, um, you know, they would have been torn to shreds. And the, faith's cloth, the facial cloth, uh, the sudarian, would have been um, rolled up. Or I guess I should say not been rolled up. You just wouldn't have thought about nicely folding that. Um, and so then they talk about if the body had been stolen. That was a common, um, you know, argument against the resurrection. Oh, well, somebody stole the body. Well, if they did, they probably would not have left the clothes behind. 
And certainly they wouldn't have folded them. I mean, no way. Uh, no thief would have taken the time to unwrap the corpse and then fold up the clothes. I mean, that'd be like a robber making your dinner table after robbing it over Christmas, right? No, that's not going to happen. Um, basically, in those days, robbers, they would have stolen the linen and left the body, not the other way around. Grave robbers, when they went in, were after the linens, uh, not the body. They would have taken the linen and left the body. The opposite is here. The body's gone, but the linen was left. And so um, it was really as if the body of Jesus had just disappeared. There was no struggle to get those clothes off. It's almost like he evaporated from underneath the shroud, which makes perfect sense because that's really the image almost looked like it was scorched as if like this radiation or this bolt of, of energy raised Jesus right through it. And so anyway, that's why it's fascinating. If you ever want to see a talk on the shroud, um, I, did, I used to do a lot of the talks on the shroud. I haven't done one in years. But on YouTube there, the, your, the channel you're watching, we, I did a talk a while ago, and it talks about the, the, the image of the shroud is actually a negative. It's a photograph, um, and it, a photograph that matches the image of divine mercy. Um, but when you take a picture of an actual reality, um, what comes is a negative. A negative is a picture of something. The positive is the real thing. And so the shroud should be a positive. But what happened is the shroud, when analyzed, is a negative. It almost means like it's a photograph of something. And so um, how beautiful that it really is, a capture of the image of Christ. So wrapping up here, the image, uh, I guess no pun intended, wrapping up because of the, the shroud, and this is, this is powerful because uh, the image there on the shroud is what? It's, a cru it's, it's basically a male, bearded, about 5'11", about 175 pounds. Now, what's interesting is they can tell that this person was crucified. Um, and the, images, or the image has the scars on the body. His physique on the, on the shroud is written and described as muscular and well-built and estimated around the age of 30 to 35 years old. This is the person on the shroud. So it was determined that the blood that is on the shroud is real. And as I said, it's some kind of a scorch. And so many tests have been done on this. And the pollen that have, they found on the shroud has been traced back to that part of the world at that time in history. Several of those pollens have gone extinct that didn't exist after the first century. So we can date the shroud back. Well, Father, that study in 1978 said that it was only medieval. Well, you know, I'm an engineer. I'm an engineer by degree. And yeah, sometimes we can be very smart academically or um, analytically, but sometimes we can be the dumbest people when it comes to common sense. You know what the engineers did? When they, when they did the testing on the shroud, they tested the part of the shroud it was on the edges, and they tested those. And they knew that the, the shroud had swatches that were placed on the shroud after the fire. There was a fire that the shroud was involved in or was, was, um, was in, a, in a 
place where there was a fire. And so nuns back in the Middle Ages sewed swatches around the edges to fill the shroud back out. So what do they do when they do the testing? They sent those swatches to be tested. Well, of course they're gonna come back and say that they're from the Middle Ages. Engineers, like I said, sometimes so smart, but sometimes common sense, we can be so stupid. Um, but that, you know, that's just one of many examples. Um, you know, one that I find fascinating is the coins. Uh, recently, it's been discovered that when you blow up the image of the shroud, especially looking at the face, it has now been discovered that there are two coins placed in the eye sockets. Now, this was not uncommon because of rigor mortis. Um, you didn't want bodies just in the middle of the funeral just suddenly um, looking appear to be alive, eyes open. So they would put coins in the eyes so that the eyes wouldn't suddenly open, rigor mortis. But what's interesting, when they analyzed the coins in the eye sockets and they blew it up, they had the NASA VP8, I think it was called image analyzer, they blew it up. You can actually see the inscription on the coins that were in the eyes of this image. And the coin specifically is a coin that was minted under the authority of Pontius Pilate. And they know from that coin design that it was between 29 and 33 AD when that coin was minted. The exact coins that would have been in circulation at the time of Christ's crucifixion. Fascinating. And so this is really, really powerful. Um, you know, studies have shown that the shroud is not a painting or a forgery. They're not brush strokes. It's kind of like Our Lady of Guadalupe. Um, they're not brush strokes. It's not a drawing. It's miraculous. And so John sees this. John, just I think when you look at the shroud, knowing that not only was that what was wrapped in, Christ was wrapped in, but St. John beheld it. It, it. It's just, to me, amazing. And so John believed that Jesus's body had then become alive again. John was really the first to believe, but it was this new kind of life, this, this, this glorified body um, that can now pass through material. His body passed through the shroud, just like Jesus passed through the doors a week later. And so unlike Lazarus, people say, well, gee, Lazarus resurrected. No, Lazarus had the same body as he had before he died. It wasn't glorified. And so he would still die. Jesus's body's not the same as it was before. He would never die again. And so this is what we say when we mean resurrected body. So it's the beginning of a new life. So who's St. John? Pray to him today. Patron saint of love, loyalty, and friendships. Um, you know, you, also, you always see him with the eagle, or the eagle is the symbol. Why the eagle? That's because the tradition of the church is that the heights that um, John rose to in his gospel was like an eagle soaring. And so um, different, totally from the synoptic gospels. In fact, so much different that when I was in seminary, when we took scripture classes, they never combined them. You, you didn't take all four gospels. You took, I had a synoptics gospel class, and then I had gospel classes just on the gospel of John. So different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so um, 
that they were written earlier. Um, so, you know, John, we know, was the brother of James. Um, they lived, uh, James, what's interesting, James, his older brother, James was his older brother, not younger, was the first apostle martyred. And John was the last one to die. And so he lived about 60 years, almost 655 years or so after his brother was martyred. And um, John was the only apostle, as we know, at the cross. Um, you know, Jesus hints when Peter said, well, what about this guy? Uh, Jesus basically tells him, he says, uh, you know, what if I want to let him remain until I come again? What's that to you? You just follow me. You don't worry about him. And I think that's a good lesson for us today. Um, he was banished. How did he die or, or was he martyred? The tradition is he died natural death, not martyred. Um, <clears throat> after the assumption of Mary, it's tradition that John went to Ephesus, modern day Turkey. And he was banished then by Roman authorities to the Greek island of Patmos. And that's where we believe he wrote the book of Revelation. And this was the late first century under the emperor Domitian, not Diocletian, but Domitian. And um, the tradition is he was plunged into a big pot of boiling oil and he suffered no injuries. He did not die, was not harmed. And all who witnessed this, I believe it was in the Colosseum. I apologize, I can't remember. But all who saw it were converted instantly on the spot. And so tradition is he died in Ephesus around 100 AD, 98, 99, 100 AD. There was a church erected in that spot over his tomb. And afterwards, that church became a mosque. So let us pray that we don't lose Christianity. That was the purpose of the Crusades. Let us not lose Christianity. Most of all, let us not lose the message of Jesus. And John lived that perfectly because what was the message of Jesus? Love. And that's why we turn to St. John today as the patron saint of love. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. 
simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.